Good morning, CLC. Um, as you can see that um, when I'm preaching at home, I would never normally uh, receive that applause. But as you can see that we are not, <laughs> we're not uh, in, in our homes. Um, as you can see, we are live uh, from our church at, at SDA. Um, just a little information. Um, you know, this is actually my first time um, setting my foot back in a church in over a year. I, I remember, um, actually, it was technically not a church because we were actually filming um, from our church office at, uh, in um, Berkeley. But it's, it's been, I, I don't even remember when the last time as I was sitting there, I was trying to figure out when was the last time I sat, I sat um, at a church office, uh, a church, uh, church uh, congregation. And I remember it was last year here at this same place. Uh, the first uh, week of March of last year when I visited uh, CLC, that was the last time I put my foot uh, in, in a congregation. So I, I am so excited. Um, as I was uh, turning into the church parking lot this morning, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, it was just, just incredible. And, and this normal routine, right, normal routine for me on Sunday, it usually maybe similar to you guys, wake up a little late, right, and you take a shower and you get dressed and you get ready for church. But this morning, it was a little bit of a change. It was a little bit different from my normal routine that I usually do on Sunday. Now, before I go into the message, um, I know that um, Caitlin had mentioned that we have six people besides, besides the worship team. We actually have um, Lynn Macy, we have Pastor Calvin, we have Terry, and we have Uncle Tuck, okay? And, you know, of course, Frank, who actually engineers all of our, uh, all our, you know, live on Facebook. But you know what? Um, this morning, um, when I saw Bruce walk in, I-, I thought, you know what, Bruce was coming in just to kind of give us kind of a moral or kind of a spiritual enc- encouragement. But you know what? I was like really, really touched because Bruce, our board chair, is here. He's actually manning our our Facebook. He's actually turning the pages. He's he's here because you know what? He wants to help, and I was so so encouraged of that. And so as 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 I'm talking, as I'm you know uh, I'm talking about changes, right? Uh, I I do hope that you know what in the near future, in the near future, that we will be able to we will be able to meet back and to worship together because it really, really was awesome this morning, especially as we uh, prepare for worship. We prayed together, and that was just an incredible time for us, time for us for this morning. Now, you know, um, Christianity is all about changes, I believe. Christianity is about transformation because when you have experienced the love of God, you cannot help but to change. Right? If you look at every biblical characters in the Bible, when they have met Jesus, right, everybody changed. And so maybe that's why, maybe that's why as we're walking in faith, we've all heard of this phrase, don't look back. Don't let the devil tempt you of going back to your old self. Now, there is this little certain sin that you have been struggling with and you wish that you could just overcome. It feels like it's always going to be there hounding you. And, and anytime you try to escape from it or to get away from it, it's always going to ensnare you back again. Now, you know, 
I am the one I actually could confess that, you know what, we've all experienced or we've all felt this way before. Now, raise your hand, raise your hand if you ever, you know what, you've ever had this time of, of experiencing something like that. Raise your hand, right, right? Now, husbands, husbands, if you didn't raise your hands, right? Wives, I give you permission, full permission to elbow them, right? Just nudge them on their sides. And right now, wives, look at your husband and tell them, don't look back, right? Don't go back to your old self. Because Paul urged the early Christians to replace their old sinful natural responses and difficulties with the new attitudes of Christ. And, and even the next chapter, right? In chapter 5, Paul commands us to be imitators of Jesus Christ. But in today's passage, he writes in verse 22-24, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made anew in the attitudes of our minds by putting on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, whenever I, I read this passage, especially in verse 22-24, I, I am reminded of a TV program that aired in, in 2003 called Extreme Makeover, the home edition, where the, 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 the host, his name was Ty Pendington, he, he goes to a family and he, he, he goes to a family that has faced hardship and had their dilapidated house completely rebuilt to a new while the family goes on vacation for a week. Now, maybe you guys remember, if you're old as I am, you guys remember that show. I love that show. And I feel like in today's passage, Paul is encouraging us to have a, a spiritual makeover. As Ty and his crew goes into this old house and make it into a new, I feel like Paul is urging us to put on the new self created to be like God the true righteousness and holiness. And I feel like this is a sentiment that Paul is encouraging us to do. Don't look back. Don't look back. Do not let your old self be recognized as you are in this newness of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the, one of the biblical um, Bible verses that I first memorized was Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and that my old self no longer exists. Because who lives inside of me? Christ lives inside of me. But you know what? I find sometimes that as we as Christians can find ourselves going back to our old self, right? It, it, there's nothing wrong with looking back at your old life in the sense of telling someone of your, your past experiences, of your past testimonies, or even talking about your old life. And the past experiences and looking back to maybe to regret or to remorse. Maybe with some disdain for the life that you had lived. And then talking about the newness in Christ Jesus. But you know what? I found, I found some of us can look back at our old self not with disdain, but actually with fondness and desire. I remember a great theologian by the name of Bob Dylan once said, you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it could be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody because man 
can only serve one master. Because man cannot serve two masters, right? So this morning, I want to ask you, by starting this, this, this uh, sir, uh, message, what or who controls you? And, and in this morning, I feel like Paul is urging us, once again, don't look back. Get up. Get out. Start growing in this newness of Christ. Now, what, and, and he does this, right? He does this the rest of the chapter. But you know what? Before, he, he characterizes or he describes this newness. He actually describes vividly what our old self was like. Now, I, I want you to look at verse 17. In chapter 4, verse 17, this is what Paul says. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understandings, alienated from God, the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, have been giving over themselves up to the sensuality, greed to practice every kind of impurity. Now, Paul, as he tries to describe of this newness, this fruitfulness, he actually describes what our lives were like before Christ. What was the oldness of our life? Look at verse 17. He says, and I kind of paraphrase this, we walked aimless, aimlessly. Now, it says that in futility of our minds, you know that probably the old age questions that people were asking, but very, very few people had the answer to was, number one, who, who am I? Or what is the purpose of my life? Or maybe the question, where am I going to go after I die? You know, even today, a lot of people have searched and done a lot of crazy stuff to answer this old age questions. And the person in the Bible who was a believer, and as a matter of fact, he was a king of Israel by the name of Solomon, and he tried to answer this, and this is what he said. We all know in Ecclesiastes that life is all about vanity, emptiness, emptiness. It's all about vapor. And in our old past, our old self was without any aim or purpose and that we have lived aimlessly. So Paul says, first, we've lived, we've walked aimlessly. Now, second of our old past, he describes in verse 18, we lived sightlessly, or it says it darkened in our understanding. Do you guys know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, the natural man by who are we are without supernatural birth, we can never understand the natural things of the spirit but god imparts a secret hidden in the wisdom of god which god decrees before the ages of our glory you know this whole idea of that people in our old self before christ we lived sightlessly it can be characterized or maybe you know what maybe you had one of those experiences you know when you actually go to a person and you try to evangelize and sometimes you kind of evangelize well, I did it yesterday, a little bit, a little bit, to, to, to a couple that came to our a hike and a picnic yesterday. I just briefly, but they just, they just didn't believe or they just couldn't see it. 
And I feel like sometimes when you try to evangelize to people who don't know God, I feel like in my heart it's like, don't you get it? Don't you see it? I feel like it's like talking to a blind person. Can't you see the beauty in God? You know, this morning there was a pause that Caitlin, um, as she kind of, I guess, kind of became a little, little emotional. And as I sat there, there was this kind of Holy Spirit just kind of engulfing. There was a moment of like, wow, God is so good. God is so wonderful. God is so awesome. And sometimes when you're talking to people that, who don't know God, don't you see it? Can't you see the beauty of God? Or maybe it's feel like you know, I'm talking to a deaf ear, deaf person. And can't you hear? Can't you hear the wonderful music, the beautiful music? You know, one of the things that I really, really am so glad this morning is that, you know, it's been over a year, right? I, I listen to, you know, you know, CCM music, Christian music in my car. But you know what? It, it was so different. It was so different listening to Linda, listening to Gordon, listening to Alan, and, you know, listening to, you know, Caitlin and Rachel. It was so different. And I just can't wait until all of us, right, all of us could come together and worship God together. And yet our old self, right, old self, we walked, we lived without any sight. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. In our old self, we lived sightlessly. And number three, he describes in verse 19 that we lived in shame. Or the verse says that callous has given up to sensuality, greed to practice every kind of impurity. In other words, callous, it's your conscience starts to reason with your morals as we continue to practice different kinds of impurities, and we continue to live in our old self, and we have become callous, or you are silencing your conscience, your compromises has passed the point of pain in conviction that we begin to practice certain things without shame. Without shame. You know, um, this morning when I woke up, and as I was preparing for the, um, for the message, as I was in prayer, I just found out that uh, one of my best friends, um, who is a Christian, who is a Christian, left a text message, and um, he's a pastor, he's a pastor, and um, he left a message saying that, you know, Ben, um, last night um, my wife ran out on me, left a Dear John letter, and she wrote, I, I can't be a pastor's wife anymore, and she left with the kids. She moved back to, to Cal, um, SoCal, L.A. Uh, he lives in North Carolina. Uh, Carolina. And um, as I was kind of reading that text message, and I replied back, you know, there are so many divorces, e even in the Christian circle, right? E even in the Christian circles. Now, he's only speculating, but he thinks that his, his wife was cheating on him. You know, there are so many stories that we, we, we learn of or we hear of, of people cheating on each other, even though we're Christians. 
And Paul is saying that, you know what, without Christ, our old self used to be like this, without any shame, without any kind of a moral standing to live like this. Do you guys remember um, a couple of years ago, I don't know exactly when it was, do you guys remember the incident or the scandal, the Ashley Madison scandal? I'm not going to go into detail, but according to the findings, I was really, really startled that most people who signed up for that Ashley Madison website who were cheating on their wives, most of them were Christians. Now, when I read that statistics, I was like, whoa. And mo- some of them were pastors too. And so Paul describes in our old self that we live shamelessly without any sight, and we walked, we walked aimlessly. Now, uh, before I go, actually go on to Paul urging us to have an extreme makeover, spiritual makeover, I, I want to say something that it's been in my heart for kind of a couple of weeks. It may kind of alarm you. And the thing that I'm about to say is that many people who claim to be Christians really aren't. Now, you may say, Pastor Ben, that's a bold statement, right? You can't judge a man. By, uh, you can't judge a man's heart. You're right. I can't. But I could actually see their fruit. If there's no fruit, there's an issue. Maybe, you know what? The person without any fruit, maybe they've never really, really heard the true gospel to begin with. Or maybe they just accepted part of the gospel. The ones that they feel like, you know what, which are kind of favorites. Or just simply, they've never really, really accepted the full gospel itself. You guys remember what Paul says in Acts chapter 28, verse 28? When he was describing the salvation to Agrippa. He said the salvation was to have their eyes open. That's belief. To accept factually the things that you're hearing to turn from their darkened or the wicked ways, your old self to be the light, the power of Satan to be in the presence of God. As I'm saying it again, if you have been touched, if you have experienced this love of Christ, I don't think there's anybody in this world who would not be changed. And so Paul lists some of the spiritual changes or some of the spiritual fruits in this newness of Christ, which I call it kind of the spiritual makeover. And so he he lists some of them. So in verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil Let the thief steal no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work for his own, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So Paul describes this newness in Christ Jesus by saying, verse 25, one of the characteristics is, number one, put away lying and put on the truth. Put away lying and put on the truth. How many of you guys have ever read Proverbs chapter 6? 
You know, sometimes when I need wisdom, you know, when I read, I just go through the Proverbs. Just go through the Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 6, the writer lists seven things that God hates. So this morning, as, you, as the message is, 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 is over, I want you to go and read the other, other five because I'm going to list number two, uh, two things. So in Proverbs 6, the writer lists seven things that God detests and hates. And it is written twice of lying tongue and of making a false witness who speak about lies. The writer of he, uh, Proverbs lists seven things that God detests and two of them is lying tongue and a making a false witness who speak about lies. You know, this, uh, this week, as I was reading Proverbs chapter 6, you know, I, I just kind of imagined truth was really, really important to God, wasn't it? That if you are a child of the king, you have to speak the language of the court. And the language of the court is telling the truth. Now, I'm going to, once again, just make you guys a little bit uncomfortable. But, Pastor Ben, I I never tell lies. But we all do. We, We tell little lies, white lies, exaggerations, or even stretching the truth. Those of you guys who are fishermen, we kind of stretch the truth a little bit, right? I, I just recently, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I, uh, I went fishing. I went fishing, and I caught a uh, we 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 caught a halibut. I didn't ca- I didn't catch anything, right? And we we caught a halibut, and uh, I was telling everybody, so what did you catch? Oh, I caught a halibut, a huge halibut. It was only like 24, 25 inch, but we caught a huge halibut, and we were all. We're all telling little white lies and stretching the truth or exaggerations. And Paul describes of this newness that in the newness of life, in newness of Jesus Christ, that we have to speak the truth. You see, in the body of Jesus Christ could only function properly if we tell the truth. It's like, you know what, if your hand touched something really, really hot, and you, your hand tells the brain that, hey, you know, everything is cool. I don't know about you, but your hand is going to be severely burned. One of the things that really, really destroys the body of Jesus Christ is lying, allowing, allowing lies. Not to be able to trust anybody in the body of Jesus Christ. That's why I believe that telling the truth is really, really important. And so I feel like Paul is allowing or through, speaking through the Holy Spirit to remind us to stop lying and to put on the integrity. Now, some of you guys, once again, you know what, Pastor Ben, I don't, I don't do that. What? What do you mean? What do you mean? I never lie. Um, this week, um, as I was driving, and some of the things that I do, I not only listen to you know Christian music, but I also listen to a lot of sermons. And this week, that's kind of the amazing thing about, you know, as you're, you know, preparing for the sermon, you're, you're ready to speak. One of the things that, you know, what you really, really want is like just sermon illustrations. And this week, I, I heard of a really, really funny sermon illustration. A minister told his congregation, next week, I'm going to preach about sin of lying. 
So for you to understand my sermon, I want you to go home and I want you to read all the way, all the chapters of Mark, all the way to Mark chapter 17. And the following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver his sermon about lying, the minister asked, he said, okay, show of hands, show of hands, how many of you guys read through the whole entire Mark all the way to chapter 17? Now, everybody in the crowd, they all raise their hands. They're all smiling at the pastors. I did, I did, I did. And he just gingerly smiled back at the congregation. The pastor said, congregation, there are only 16 chapters in the book of Mark. Now I will proceed with my sermon on the sin of lying. And I want you to kind of reflect upon the last time maybe you lied to your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends. And Paul urges that in this newness or this spiritual makeover, one of the integrity is that we keep honesty, and keep the truth. And the second thing that Paul addresses in verse 26, he says, put off aggravation and sort of put on the patience of God. You know, whenever I hear the word patience, I'm reminded of this kind of a theorem. It's like, you know what, Lord, I want patience, but I want it now. You know, that, 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 that comes to mind. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I hear the word patience, that's the theorem that comes to my mind. You, you know, in verse, uh, in first Corinthians chapter 13, love is described in varieties of ways. You know, just, just the other day, my, my wife told me to clean out my closet. And so I was cleaning it and I, I came across my, my wife's wedding ring. We, we don't wear our wedding ring. We, we just kind of keep it in our closet somewhere. And I, I was cleaning in, and I dropped her ring, and the ring was kind of spinning. And then I saw it as, as the window cut the light of, of the fastest of the diamond. I, I feel like love is that, is that one of the fastest about love is that love is not easily angered, but is patient with people. And, and in, verse, in this verse, Paul is saying, be angry. No, do not be angry. I'm sorry. And be, do not be angry. But you know what? There are times that you need to be kind of angry for the righteous reasons. Or you know there are times of righteous indignations. You know, um, just last year, right? Last year, the whole incident of George Freud. You know, I, I believe that was a righteous indignations. Or, or even the time when Jesus turned the marketplace upside down. This was his anger of love. I mean, there needs to be a righteous and indignant, but you don't get angry because you got offended, but the holiness and the righteousness of God was offended. And so Paul reminds us of this newness of life is that be, ang- uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In, in other words, keep a short account with people. Say sorry before you turn out the light. You know, when me and my wife got married, as our pastor was officiating, we made a little wedding vows that me and my wife swore that we will keep. And one of the things was that we would not go to bed angry. 
another thing is that we would not sleep in other rooms when we were angry. Now, I'll be honest with you because the, the, the previous verse says, speak the truth, right? right? Um, I, I wasn't really faithful uh, to that. There were times when we were angry and we went, we went to sleep angrily. Or there were times where my wife slept in other rooms and I had to sleep on the sofas, right? Now, you know what? It really didn't turn out the way that I envisioned. But let me be honest with you, transparent with you. That vow... That vow saved our marriage in a couple of instances. Because if we had prolonged, if we were angry with each other for a long time, I think it would have ended our marriage. And so Paul says, Paul says, do not be angry, right? Righteous indignations, but do not sin. And the third thing that Paul reminds of us today is put off stealing and put on sharing. You know, um, this last one, I did a little research, a little kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, oh, I didn't know. Now, I'm going to share with you. According to the Department of Commerce, stealing is huge. Stealing is huge. In the marketplace, in the companies, especially in the ITs. Those of you guys who are working ITs, listen carefully. About 4 million shoplifters per year. In the hotel industry, about $500 million are lost per year on hotel theft. And people walking in the hotel goes, yeah, you know what, I like that towel, right? I'm going to take home that towel, right? Or I want that bathrobe, right? Now, all the... now. A lot of these people are like thinking, okay, you know what? The price of the hotel room includes uh, the towel and the bathrobe and the furniture in the room, right? I, I don't know. Now, it, it, according to the department, now somebody's raising their hands, okay? Uh, I'm not going to name who. Now, one of every three guests in a hotel steals something from a hotel. I was so shocked. One out of every three people who actually enter a hotel steals something, right? Now, once again, some of you guys may say, Pastor Ben, I have never stole anything from a hotel. Now, what do you mean? You know, don't accuse me, right? Now, you know what? Um, as the Holy Spirit kind of led me, you know what? There are other ways in which you could actually steal from your employers. Like, here's the thing. You know what the number one things that IT people steal is pens. I'm serious. That's what it says. They steal pens. Pencils, erasers, few paper clips. You know, there's a de- there's a desk. I need a desk at home, so I'm going to. No, I'm just 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 joking. I'm just joking. But you know what? <laughs> hey, think of the last time. You know, guys. I'll be honest with you again. I, I've stole, you know, pencils and you know pens. Now, some of you guys. Well, I've, I've never done that before. Those of you guys who are working in the industry, you could come in late and leave early. But you could take a, look at a longer lunch break than usual. You know what? According to the survey, it has been estimated that people have admitted that 20% of the workday is spent goofing off rather than working. That's like one entire day per week 
So you could actually steal time. Um, my first job was I was goofy at Disneyland uh, during high school. Um, and, hey, guys, uh, <laughs> some of you guys are laughing. Hey, the reason I went to go interview at Disneyland was because during that time, they were giving $20 an hour. $20 an hour. Now, back then, I believe uh, the average uh, minimum wage was like four twenty-five or five something, twenty dollars an hour. Because you know what, it, it was pretty hot during the summertime. They couldn't find anybody right to be on that goofy mask or goofy costumes. Anyways, anyways, now let me tell you how I got that gig. How I got everybody, you know, tried out. You know what I said to the guy who was interviewing me? I said, you know what, sir, I'll be the best employer best worker you have ever seen in your life so they hired me seriously based upon just one now after i got home i, I thought about that oh dude i'm in so much trouble i said to myself you know what i'm in trouble because of what i said i'll be the best worker right but you know what isn't that how we're supposed to work or isn't that how we're supposed to to really really demonstrate in this newness of life to other people who sees us. When other co-worker sees you taking a little longer lunch breaks or stealing pens, oh, isn't that person, oh, I thought that person was Christian. Oh, is, isn't that like a pastor from a church? And we begin to like kind of diminish kind of mandate that Jesus Christ wants us to live. Think about it. With your efforts, with your mouth, and your time, are you really, really glorifying God? Now, I kind of want to wrap it up with an application because the, in the book of Romans, Paul talks about how our old self is crucified, crucified in Christ, right? Right? I mean, it's history. Our old, old self is gone, taken away, rendered in, inoperative, right? That we are supposed to put something new, a new behavioral pattern, or a spiritual makeup, he encourages. Now, the key to that, how do we do it? It's, it's found in verse 23. It says, be renewed in the spirit. Now, I feel like that's where the battle is won or lost. Where? In, in our mind. That's why we are to put the, uh, the loins of our minds, to prepare. The enemy will attack us with our thoughts, catch with our thoughts, our visual life, our auditory life. So that's why in the book of Job it says to gird up, prepare yourself, stay protected. And verse 23 says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to conclude with something that it may be a little bit, like it's not even Easter, Pastor Ben. It's not even Christmas. I remember one of our staff having a talk with our staff and she told me, Pastor Ben, I'm going to give up video games for, for Easter. 
You know, so often we make these kind of promises to God during special holidays, right? Easter, Thanksgiving, or, or, or even Christmases. Right now we're, we're middle of, you know, June, right? I, I want to ask you, is there anything that you are watching? Is there anything that you're listening that inhibits this newness walk or this spiritual makeover that Paul urges to, to have? You know, in the midst of COVID, I know we're watching a lot of Netflix and we're watching a lot of movies and we're, you know, listening to things. Some of us are playing game until like, you know, 2 o'clock in the mornings. And, and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning. I know it's not Easter, it's not Christmas, but you know what? I want to challenge you this morning. As, as Paul urges us to put off our old self, to have a spiritual makeover, or to, to be renewed in Christ. And verse 23 says, it happens when we renew in our mind. So the challenge this week is, you know what? I want to challenge you guys this week. Some of the luxuries that we've taken during, you know, during our, our COVID, staying home. Maybe, you know what? This whole week, I'm going to stop watching Netflix. This whole week, I'm going to stop listening to certain things. I'm going to stop reading certain books that wasn't really, really beneficial to our walk. If the Holy Spirit is nugging at you and tugging at you, as, as I said before, wives, look at your husband because spouses know our daily routines more than anybody else. This week, I want you guys to kind of say, Lord, I just want to be in this newness, this newness of Christ that you've created to be, and I want to be in the newness of God. And so whatever the Holy Spirit allows me to, convicts me of, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop reading, watching, so that I can become what? More intimate. So I challenge you. I challenge you. Maybe you know what? Those of you guys who are watching over Facebook, you know what? I'm going to give up. Maybe you guys could put it in the comment sections to make it kind of, you know what, accountable to one another. Right? Right? And so I challenge you this morning to have this spiritual makeover that God, Paul, is urging us to do. So let's pray. Father, God, thank you for this newness of life. But sometimes we have this tendency of looking back, going back, and sometimes we say, well, c'est la vie, it's life. But Father God, that's not what you're saying, you're telling us to do. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, whatever is inhibiting our walk with you, intimacy with you, Father God, would you just convict our heart this morning for us to maybe walk away to stop. Father God, I thank you, Heather. Father God, this morning it was just amazing to listen to the worship team, to, to celebrate, to be able to look uh, at each other, and the responses as I was preaching. Father God, I just ask that, Lord, that continually that you will allow all of us, Father God, to come together in you. Father, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Pastor Ben, for that powerful message. For the reminder, um, the, the newness of life that we're called to and, and the power that we have to do that is through Jesus Christ, not through mustering up our own, um, just trying to be better, but uh, really with the power of Jesus to be able to walk in that newness of life. So, church, we're going to continue to respond to that with a few more songs. And I know we're having a few technical difficulties with slides, and so uh, feel free to look up the lyrics on, on your phone or something like that. But the, the first song is The Wonderful Cross. <laughs> 